long, long ago in that part of Africa that today we call Ethiopia. There was a man who was a farmer. His name was Getauhun, a good strong name for a good strong man. And Getauhun had lived his life farming his land, taking such good care of his land and of his crops. He grew the best crops that anybody knew of. And he would take the crops to market and sell them for the best prices. So now, at the time of this story, when he was old, he had large, rich farmlands, three bags of gold, and a large, fine house that was almost famous because in that house, he had had built a great hall. Now, not a hallway that takes you to another part of the building, but no, a great gathering place. Look around this beautiful sanctuary we are in. See how large it is? And now imagine a room twice as big and twice as high. And you can see why his home was almost famous. Well, I mentioned that it was late in his life. Kitahun was old. In fact, he was so old, he knew that soon it would be time for him to leave this world, to go and join his ancestors in the spirit world. And so something else Kitahun had that I haven't yet told you is three sons. He had three sons who were nearly grown, and one day he called his three sons to him in that great hall. And they sat down. He had with him the bags of gold. And they waited. And he opened up one of the bags of gold, and he took out one coin for the oldest son, another coin for the middle son, and another coin for the youngest son. Each, each son sat there and waited for what their father, Getauhun, would say. Well, this is what he said. My sons, soon it will be time for me to leave this world, to go and join our ancestors in the spirit world. And I sat before each one of you today a challenge. The challenge is this. Take the gold coin that I have just given to you and with it purchase something. Yes, buy something that will fill this great hall. And whichever among you is able to fulfill this challenge to that son, I will pass on all of my belongings when I die. Well, none of those sons had ever heard of such a thing or such a method of gaining an inheritance, but they each accepted their father's challenge. So the, um, the oldest son took his gold coin and he went from his father Getauhun's home, he went down to the town, he walked through the streets of the town and he went to the market and the paths of the market and he went here and he went there, he thought of this and thought of that and he 
people, he found himself in the area of the market where the grain sellers were. Corn, wheat, millet, barley, and rice. And at that time and in that place, rice was very inexpensive. Why, for a few copper coins, you could buy enough rice to feed a large family for a long time with a gold coin. Oh, you could buy much more. So he went up to the rice seller, gave her the gold coin, and said, Rice seller, will you take all the rice this gold coin will buy, take them up to my father, take it up to my father Gitahun's home, put it into that great hall. And the rice seller <laughs> agreed. She didn't see gold coins all that often. Well, soon she and all of her helpers, they loaded sack after sack of rice onto wagons. And before long, there was a small caravan of wagons piled high with the sacks of rice going up to Gitahun's home. And when they got there, she and her helpers took each of the bags of rice, slit them open, and poured the rice into that great hall on the floor. And as they worked more and more, the rice spread, and the rice filled the floor of the great hall to its four corners, and it grew deeper, and, and then she stopped. And the first, son, the first son said, rice seller, why did you stop? And she said, well, one gold coin will buy a lot of rice, but not all the rice in the land. I have done as you have asked. And she and her helpers and her gold coin left. My son, said Gitahun, what you have bought with your gold coin has indeed covered the floor of this great hall to its four corners, but it rises only to the depth of your knees. And as you can see, <laughs> there is much space left in this great hall, unfilled with what you have purchased. Well, the first son could see that he had failed to meet the challenge. Servants were called, all the rice was cleared out of the great hall, and the second son took his gold coin, and he left his father Gitahun's home, and he went to the town, and he walked through the streets of the town and through the paths of the market, and he thought of this, and he thought of that, and he went here, and he went there, and he found himself in the area of the market where all the poultry sellers were, you know, chickens, ducks, geese, and behind it all, there were what looked like mountains of feathers. And in that time and in that place, feathers were very inexpensive. So that second son went up to the feather seller, gave the feather seller the gold coin, and said, would you please take all the feathers that we'll buy and take them up to my father Gutahun's home and put them in that, in that great hall? And the feather seller said, yes. And so he and all of his helpers loaded sack after sack of feathers onto wagons. Pretty soon, he had to hire more helpers and rent more wagons. And before long, there was an even longer caravan of wagons piled high with, well, they looked like giant pillows, <laughs> going up the road to Gutahun's home. And when they got there, they opened up each of the sacks of feathers, slid them open, and threw the feathers into the room, and, and before long, the feathers spread, and they, they covered the floor of the great hall to the four corners, and they got deeper and deeper, and indeed, feathers seemed to be flying everywhere, and the second son thought, I've done it, I've done it. And then the feather seller stopped, and he said, feather seller, why did you stop? And he said, well, one gold coin will buy many feathers, but not all the feathers there are. I have done as you have asked. The second son could see that he, too, had failed to meet the challenge. Servants were called. 
All the feathers were cleared out of that great hall, and the third son began to think. What? What will fill that great hall? Oh, air fills it. <laughs> but you don't buy air. My love for my father would fill it and more. No, you don't buy love. What can I buy with one, not two, not ten, one gold coin? And he left his father, Catalhoun's home, and went down to the town. And he walked through the streets of the town and through the paths of the market. He went here and he went there. He thought of this and he thought of that. And he found his way to a small, dark shop. He walked into that shop and he saw on a shelf what he wanted. He walked up to the shopkeeper, gave her the gold coin, pointed out what he wanted. She gave it to him, and he put what he had purchased into the pouch he had hanging from his belt. And then the shopkeeper gave him back some copper coins as change. He thanked her, and he returned to his father Katalhun's home. And when he got there, he walked right into that great hall, and he sat down, and he took out from his pouch what he had purchased. And he filled that great hall. And that is the riddle. What could fit into a pouch at his waist with which he could then truly fill that great space? There is more than one right or workable answer to this riddle. Before I tell you the way I like to answer the riddle and finish the story, I invite you to think. What might be your answer to this riddle? And I would love it if we would have three or four or five volunteers to share your, your idea. Yes, please, right here. Music, what, what could he purchase with which? Harmonica. Yeah, harmonica, some kind of instrument filled with music. Thank you. Another idea. I saw the woman with the necklace first and then this one. A source of light. Yeah, it was before, like, flashlights, but maybe... Yeah, prism, candle. And your idea? Incense. Oh, incense. Fill it with its fragrance. Wonderful creative ideas. One more idea? Or, right here. I thought, like, a pipe. So, incense, it's incense-like, but, like, he was smoking. And so pipe with the smoking. smell of the pipe. Nice. My dad used to smoke a pipe, and I know that smell. Um, I was in a school once, and you know, a couple, couple of boys were saying, smoke bomb, stink bomb. <laughs> One of my favorite answers I've heard was a bird to fill it with its flight. Isn't that interesting? 
Wonderful ideas. Well, I will tell you how I like to finish the story. That third son reached into his pouch, and he did pull out a kind of flute. And he did indeed fill that space with music. of your creativity, you have met this challenge. And therefore, it is to you that I will pass on all of my belongings when I die. Now, it was not long after that that Getauhun did die, leaving this world to go and join their ancestors in the spirit world. And I will tell you what that third son did with all of his inheritance. He took those large, rich farmlands and he divided them into three equal portions, one for himself, one for each of his brothers. He took those bags of coins and divided them between the three of them in three equal portions, a portion for himself, one for each of his beloved brothers. And as, as for that large, fine house, well, there was enough room there and more for the three of them and their families to continue living on together there for the rest of their days. And there were times after that when the day's work and the day itself would draw to a close, evening coming on, that people walking by on the road outside might hear coming from inside that great hall. That's the story of one gold coin from Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, last time I was here a few weeks ago, some of you may have been here, some of you may have not, but you would have heard words like this. God said, let us make humankind in our image. In our likeness, let us make them. And let them have responsibility over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all the animals upon the earth. So, God created humankind in God's image. In God's image, God created them. Maybe you've asked yourself, maybe you've heard or read others explore. A lot of people have explored what in the world does it mean to be created in God's image? And there are lots of different ideas and answers and certainties and uncertainties that people have written and spoken about. Does it mean we're to be kingly? Does it mean we're to have dominion? Does it mean we're to be spiritual? Well, some people, and this is what I'm drawn to, will say that, well, think about, at this point of the story, when God says this, and God creates humankind in God's image, 
what, does this, what, what has the story told us up to that point about God to know what the image might be? Well, God has been creating and creating and creating and creating and creating and creating God the creator. Some would say to be created in God's image means to be creative, that that's part of our very nature and being. Um, creative meaning, in fact, here's a, dic a dictionary definition, relating to or involving the imagination or original ideas, seeing and doing something in a new way. Well, that third son in that story certainly was seeing and thinking and doing things in a way different and new from what the others had thought of. And being creative, sometimes we default to thinking, oh, that means artistic creation. And that's what the beautiful words of that first opening hymn, which I understand was not familiar to, to you, but I hope you were able to pay attention to some of the words and go back and look at it again sometime. It's number 30. Those words were mostly about, in fact, I'll grab it right here, mostly about expressing art visually or music or, you know, composing or writing, but also just may we be creators by the Spirit stirred, open to your presence in our joy and strife. In joy and in strife, we can look for new ways of seeing and of doing things. Vessels of the holy coursing through our life in creativity. You know, I, I have a niece who a few years ago we were talking, she said, oh, I'm just not creative at all. She had her older sister and a brother who were into the arts a lot. And I said, Katie, I don't know of anybody on this earth who is a more creative cook than you are. Oh my goodness, she could take simple ingredients and create something amazing. And we talked about that. It takes creativity to arrange a busy schedule to get things done. It takes creativity to plan and plant a garden. It takes creativity to arrange enough chairs for everybody to fit into the meeting space. It takes creativity sometimes to balance a checkbook. <laughs> I'm wondering, does, does anyone here have, have a suggestion or an idea or a thought of something else that you might, we might not normally think of, ooh, creative, like an artist, which I adore, which we all are blessed by, but something else from, ooh, everyday life that might be creative? Any, any willing? I see a hand way in the back. Both of those, decorating a house and choosing an outfit to wear. Thank you. Another thought? Someone like, I see a hand here. Raising children. Absolutely. If that doesn't call forth and hopefully often even nourish creativity, thank you for bringing that up. Another thought? Anyone? I can't see. I see one more hand. Here we go. Loving your spouse. Yes. Any relationship, maybe. Spousal in particular, but perhaps, but any relationship inquire creativity and how to live out that love through the joys and strife that our hymn is telling us about. Wonderful, and I'm sure there are more thoughts bubbling in your head. That's, um, there is a book I would like to commend it to you. I don't remember. It's not all that new. I won't take time to look up when it was um, published, but it's simply called Creativity, 
Where the Divine and the Human Meet by Matthew Fox. Um, yeah, I see a thumbs up. Um, <laughs> you can see I have one or two post-it notes in this thing. Can you see that? <laughs> These are not all passages I'm going to read to you. But I, I would like to, to share one or two. I'm checking the time here. Um, I love this sentence. When we consider creativity, we are considering the most elemental and innermost and deeply spiritual aspects of our being. Whether it's writing a novel, raising your child, figuring out what outfit to put together for that day's responsibilities or happen happenings. Um, I've, I, I'll share just one more, one more sentence. He writes, in this book, I reconstruct Christianity and culture around the number one survival issue of our time, the sustainability achieved when creativity is honored and practiced, not for its own sake, but for justice and compassion's sake. So that's a thrust through this book. He also references um, Jesus being a creative storyteller. Oh, you know what, I do have to read this thing he says about the parables. I love this. When Jesus creates parables, he is being invitational. He is provoking listeners to think for themselves, as every artist does. Jesus is a creative storyteller who gets people to think differently by telling a story. You can start to see why I love this book. I commend it to you. Um, I think now it's time, Wayne, for the first slide. I have a couple slides to share with you today. We're gonna have another Hebrew lesson, which we've had one or both of my previous times. This may or may not be familiar to any of you. This is the Hebrew word for God, for the name of God, when, when in the English Bible, in English language Bible, um, God is sending Moses to Egypt, and God, when Moses says, what or who should I tell them is sending me? In English, it's usually translated into I am. This is the Hebrew that is in the original text for the I am. In Hebrew, all of these letters are breathy sounds. Hebrew reads from right to left. The, the letters from are yod, hey. Now the hey has two disconnected lines across the top and down, and then so it almost looks like a, a portal, except it's not connected on the left. So it's from the right, yod, hey, vav, which is longer than the yod, hey. And it's all kind of There's no vowels, but all those consonants are breathy sounds. That's the name of God. So when we think about being created in the image of God, Rabbi Rami Shapiro, who is, um, who is a now 21st century, oh, can we leave that up, please? Thank you. We can just leave these up until we go to each of the next. I appreciate that, Wayne. Thank you very much. Um, Rabbi Rami Shapiro is a, a, a modern-day, current, contemporary Jewish rabbi who's written lots on different kinds of spirituality. Um, he had an experience, and I read about this in his book, Loving Kindness, where I'm drawing our next couple of minutes from. Um, he said, think about the name of God 
And then like we do sometimes, instead of writing it horizontally from right to left, arrange the letters vertically like we sometimes do. So Wayne, could we please have the next slide? So there on the right is the name of God, and on the left, the letters are written vertically. Yod, hey, and then the longer vav, and then the second hey. Does that look like or remind you of something? Person. Looks like a person. Can you see that? It, maybe it isn't immediately seeable, but now that you've, excuse me, now that you've heard it, looks like a person. He said, you know, we can understand, we can imagine, we can accept that the very name and being of God with us who are created in the image of God, we are the image of God. So there's like Yod, He, Vav, He. Um, I'm looking at, I think we skipped ahead. Or I think I got my slides turned around in my notes. It doesn't matter. Is, can we go to the next one, please, Wayne? That's it. I, in my notes, I had the second and third turned around. So what I would invite you all to do is to please stand up and turn to a neighbor or if you happen to be seated, seated solo, you can do it for yourself. If you're at home, online, or watching a recording later, you can do this for yourself, as I just sort of modeled a moment ago. But it's best if you can turn to someone you're with, and either on yourself or on your neighbor, lightly draw or kind of trace if you don't want to touch, that's OK. But think about on that neighbor or on yourself, the yod, across your forehead, down the face. And then the vav, across the shoulders and down the arms. Excuse me, that's the hay. And then the vav, kind of like from your neck on down towards your hips. And then the second vav, across your hips and down your legs. The image of God, God's self, is also you. Please sit down. Um, please go to the final slide. Thank you. So I thought this was a cool depiction of that that I, I found online somewhere. Sorry, I don't have the source, but like the fire, the fire of life in the spirit. We are created in the image of a creative God. That's all our imagination, our creativity, and our life together. So. As we move into a time of brief prayer, I'd like to mention one of the most creative people I've ever known was one of my seminary professors who also wrote the hymn texts of some of the hymns in your hymnal, Tom Troger. If, if you look through the hymnal, you'll find his name more than once um, as a poet. He also was a musician, was, he has passed. Um, and sometimes he would in our chapel service at Iliff School of Theology is where I attended, where he was my professor, he would sometimes, at a time of prayer, take out his flute and simply play a melody. 
Now you may have heard the, the notion from the New Testament of the Spirit praying for us in sighs too deep for words. Sometimes prayer is more than or different from words. So for our time of prayer today, I'd like to invite you as I take another larger recorder and play melody. I invite you to open yourself up to this creative notion of allowing the music itself to either be your prayer, deeper than words perhaps, and or if you are moved, if you form words in your mind, if you have words of prayer that you wish to pray silently as well, I'm not saying don't do that. Everything is open to us. God welcomes our creativity. And to that end, a minute or two of music prayer. <laughs> 